Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We are located in Collinsville, Virginia. We are glad you joined us today. If you head over to our webpage, you can find more ways to serve, more sermons like this, as well as opportunities to support this ministry through giving. We pray God's blessing on the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Amen. share a story with you um, that was uh, really impactful this past week, and it came from our time in Step Ahead. Um, this past week in Step Ahead, we, um, during the Advent Christmas season, I always bring the kids in here, and I let them see the Christmas trees, and we talk about the Advent candles together. Um, so this was the first time we brought them in this time, so I had all of the kids wait um, outside the door, and I was explaining to him that this is a very special place, um, and the way in which we act in this space, and I had all the lights off except for uh, the, the cross up here, uh, the two back lights, and the Christmas trees, and they opened up, and everybody went, oh, wow, this is so beautiful, and we came down, and we, we walked down the center aisle here, and we sat on this front pew, and there was a little girl that was so captivated the entire time. And I think it just goes to the importance of what we do here as a church. She, she sat down, and I know that the last time that we were together, all together, Diane used um, this, this stained glass window portrait over here with Jesus and the little kids. Um, but this, this little girl, she, she looked over here and she saw um, this picture up front. I know you, some of you can't see it because of where you're at but it's Jesus on the cross. And she said, she said, who is that? He must have done something very bad to be up there. And I told her, I said, well, that's Jesus. And she says, that's Jesus? And I said, yeah, that's Jesus that's up there. So we went on from that point, and I asked him, I said, well, what's the most beautiful spot, thing that you like the most in this, in this room? And the kids were like, I love the Christmas trees. And um, some of the uh, kids that were uh, in here, we had some of the bicycles. We didn't have all of them, but some of the bicycles were still in here. And they said, I love the bicycles, right? Um, and this one little girl once again said, I love the T on the wall, talking about the, the cross. And then we got here. And I said, does anybody know what this is? And they had no clue, of course. Um, so I, I talked to them about it, and I said, um, in your families, we get to celebrate Christmas most of our family celebrate Christmas one day. I said, but the reason why you need to tell your parents to be in church with us is because in church, it's awesome. We start celebrating Christmas for four weeks. And I said, so I went over the, the candles, and I said, do you know what the, the, the white candle is for? And they said, no. And I said, well, this one is the one that helps us to remember when God was born. And the same little girl said, you're telling me that God was born 
I have got to meet this man. Friends, I think that that's the purpose of our story. We remember the one who was born and the one who died. And our job is to tell the world about the one that they need to meet. Sometimes children teach us the best. Friends, I'm going to invite you to stand as you're able for our gospel lesson. Our gospel lesson comes from Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Friends, this is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God, we give you thanks for this day and for gathering us together in it. We thank you for the ways in which you've already encountered us and the ways that you have still yet to meet us. We ask, oh God, that we would remember our past. That we would remember that they are redeemed and being redeemed in our present and in our future. I ask, God, that you would place the cross before me, but that none would see me but you and your grace alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So a little video clip. Today we are journeying with Scrooge in our sermon series, The Redemption of Scrooge. We're journeying with Scrooge and the ghost of the Christmas past. 
We remember that today, that in Scrooge's own story, when he journeys back with the ghost of the Christmas past, he remembers that some of his stories and memories are good. And others are painful. But the purpose of this Christmas past ghost is for Scrooge to acknowledge and to remember that when we remember our past, it puts us on our paths towards redemption. Today we're going to remember that Jesus came to redeem all aspects of ourselves, including our past. But before we do that, I want to think a little bit about what we remember of the past story of Jesus. So we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. Um, it's okay if you, if you don't get it right. Um, that's all right. But what we're going to do is one question. One question only. Which gospel, don't just shout it out, which is a multiple choice test, everybody, okay? Which gospel mentions the wise men from the east? Is it A, Matthew? B, Luke, C, Matthew and Luke, or D, none of the above? Anybody know? A, Matthew, B, Luke, C, Matthew and Luke, D, none of the above. A, B, C. Who wants to throw D in there too? All right. The answer is A, Matthew. Matthew is the only gospel, the only of the stories remembering the past, that puts wise men, not at the manger, they come many years later, but Matthew is the only gospel that does that. Now the reason why we did this little quiz is to tell us that sometimes our memories as it relates to our past are not always accurate. They're not always right. I remember, um, this has been a long debated topic in my family. When I was four years old, I broke my leg. Now, how I broke my leg is yet to be determined. Because the only people that were outside, um, thanks to my mom for great parenting skills, the only people outside were no adults. Um, it was myself. And all of my younger cousins, okay? So all of us are outside, and this is what I remember. And I've told this story for the last 27 years until last year. 28 years now. I told the story this way. I said, I was outside, and my grandmother, she lived in a trailer park, and I remember like it was yesterday. We were all looking up. And there was a hot air balloon that was going over our heads. I remember it clearly. And I was the smallest, and my cousin was backing up to look, and he was bigger than I was, and he fell on me and on my leg, and it broke. Now, I retold this story last Christmas, and my cousin says that's not the way it went at all. All of us were jumping off Grandma's porch. And you thought that you could do it too, and you jumped and you broke your leg. 
Now, his story says that I was at fault. I shouldn't have jumped from the porch. My story that I've told the entire time about my leg is that my cousin broke it. Now, here's the problem. Because there were no adults readily available, I have no clue now how I broke my leg. But my mom did save the boot to prove that my leg was, in fact, broke. You see, sometimes our memories are often incomplete. Sometimes our memories of our past are blindly subjective. Sometimes the memories of our past are misleading. The way in which I interpreted my leg being broke is not the way the rest of my family tells the story, but it is my experience. And therefore, that's how I broke my leg. It's kind of like when Mike goes fishing. And he talks about how big the fish was he caught when everyone knows Diane caught it. But it's your story. It's the way you understand the past. It's how you understand your present. And it's what you look to in your future. But friends, the inconsistencies of our past can be confusing. And they can cause us, like Scrooge, to become stuck. How many of you in here today have a past of some sort? You have a past, right? If you're alive today, you have a past, okay? All of us have a past, but the thing is, is that sometimes some of us get stuck in our past so that we can't be fully free to live in the present. Some of our pasts are worse than others. Some of our pasts look nice and clean. Some of our pasts look like they needed to be taken out with the laundry or the trash. Christmas is often a time and a season where for many of us, our past becomes most present. When we are reminded during this season of our mistakes, our shortcomings, some of us during this Christmas season are reminded of our losses, reminded of those who are gone too soon, Reminded of those who are no longer present with us. And what we find ourselves is being stuck sometimes in Christmas. We find ourselves being caught up in our past memories so that we can't experience the joy of the season. But friends, we're gathered together today to remind ourselves that Christ, the guy we all need to meet, right, didn't just come to earth to save us. He came to earth to redeem us. And that redemption includes our past mistakes 
our shortcomings and our losses. Some of us think that we are nothing more than our past. That our past has somehow defined us who we are in the present. I'm reminded of a 10th Avenue North song. It's a song about this girl who's trying to deal with who she is. And the song goes like this. It says, there was a girl in the corner with tear stains on her eyes from places she's wandered and shame she can't hide. She says, how did I get here? I'm not who I once was. And I'm crippled by the fear that I've fallen too far from love. You see, that's kind of where some of us are during the Christmas season as it relates to our past. We look at our past mistakes. We look at those who are no longer present with us. We look at the circumstances and the situations that we have gone through. And we tell ourselves, I'm nothing more than that. I'm nothing more than the things that I've experienced. But I love the way that the artist answers her question. He says, but don't you know who you are? Don't you know what's been done for you? You are more than the choices that you've made. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You're more than the problems that you've created. You've been remade. Revelation talks a little bit about that as well. In Revelation 21. John's vision is of this new heaven and this new earth. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And see, everything you once understood as your past, see, I am making all things new. Friends, I know what it's like to dwell in the past this past week in our, during our Bible study, it was, a, it was a hard time for many of us to, to think about our past because the past has shaped us so much in our present. I know what it's like, and I've shared this story with you all before. I know what it's like to live with a parent who is still struggling with their past. I know what it's like to, to grow up with my mom who was verbally, physically, and sexually abused by her father. And then to see her as she interacted with my sister trying to protect her at all times. Because she hadn't dealt with the past. I saw how she related to male figures like my dad. Because she hadn't dealt with her past. She had lived like Scrooge. And my mom will tell you this story so I'm not throwing my mom under the bus. And my mom can only tell you this story because on the day that we went to see her father before he died. I'd never met him before a day in my life. I saw how Christ redeemed her past. And I saw how that made my mom live in the future. 
friends, you are more than whatever your past has said about you. Christ came not to just save you so that you can fly off into some eternal fairyland. Christ came to redeem you so that you might live presently in light of all things being made new. You see, Jesus knows our faults. Jesus knows our past. And once again, how many of you have a past? All of us. But you're more than that. You're more than the circumstances that you face. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You're more than the losses that you've encountered, the losses that you have suffered. You're more than that. And Christ understands that, but Christ is also saying, I'll redeem So Jesus knows our past, he knows our faults, but here's the awesome thing about God. Everything that you have encountered, God knows it, but despite of who you are and what you've been through, and this is what I love about our, our communion liturgy, every single time we offer our prayers of confession. God knows everything that you have been through and still yet, as Paul says in Romans, Christ died for us. One way in which you can talk about it, it says, it says Christ died with us while we were at our weakest. Our weakest moments. And that proves God's love towards us. So Jesus knows your faults, he knows your past, he knows you at your weakest moment, and yet, he still invites you to join him. He looks past all of it. You see, this is precisely what Matthew is getting at. Jesus comes in our gospel lesson today, and he looks out on the seashore, and he sees these disciples who are fishermen. Now, fishermen are not the people who have these lucrative jobs. These are not people who have Ivy League education. These are people just trying to make a living and get by. And Jesus says, come follow me. And then he does the same thing for the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Come follow me. You see, despite our past, Jesus doesn't call us to follow him because we are perfect, but I promise you, Jesus will perfect the called. Jesus' call does not mean you are perfect. But Jesus does desire to perfect the called. You see, accepting the invitation to follow Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to become perfect, but it does mean that through Christ, your whole entire life, everything about you that makes you who you are, you what you are doing by following Jesus is you are submitting those things to God and saying to Jesus, I know that you will redeem all aspects of me. And that in redeeming me, you and I can go and help redeem others. 
So what's in your past? What's in the closet still tucked away? What's preventing you like Scrooge from fully living in the present because you're still too stuck in your own past? Do you really believe that Jesus can redeem it? Friends, I know that it's hard to look into your past. The past is painful for many of us. Many of us, we don't want to dwell in our past. We would rather say, let's think about the future. Let's only think about the future. The past is the past. The future is today. But in order to grow in grace, in order to become more Christ-like, in order to experience the fullness of who Jesus is, we have to deal with our past. We have to give them over so that we can move forward and live life in the freedom that Jesus offers us. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what's been done for you? You are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You're more than the problems that you create. Why? Because you've been remade.